Amen. Amen. Thank you again, guys. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. We are in the book of Acts this morning. Uh, This is the end of the Christian year on the Christian calendar, so Advent begins next week. Um, We're going to talk about an apostle you don't hear a lot about this morning, Philip, the apostle Philip. He was in charge of distributing food to widows in Jerusalem. That's how his ministry started out. But after the persecutions in Jerusalem that we've been studying about the last three weeks got too hot, uh, lots of Christians fled Jerusalem. Philip was one of them. Philip ran over to the next country, to Samaria, and there he did the only thing he could think to do. He shared the good news of Jesus with the people of Samaria. So we'll start in chapter 8, verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. He was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Oh, man, that's just the sort of thing you want to have happen when you're starting a new church. Celebrity conversion, right? We Christians love it when some famous person says something even lightly Jesus-y on television, don't we? So yeah, Denzel Washington, Alice Cooper, Tim Tebow, we love it when really famous people make a public statement about Christ. Well, Simon the Sorcerer is the most famous person in Samaria. He's been known there for a long time as someone who has powers. Now, Was Simon the sorcerer an illusionist? Was he like David Blaine or Chris Angel or something? And in the first century, he could get people to believe he was supernatural. Or did he actually have some connection with the spirit realm and he could do supernatural things? We we don't know from the text which it was. Uh, What we do know is that everyone was really impressed. The great and the small, the rich and the poor called him the great one, the power of God. Now, uh, in the first century, that was a statement people would use uh, when they felt like they were in the presence of an immortal. They wouldn't use that phrase like for Zeus and Poseidon and, and the big gods, but if they felt like they were in the presence of a demigod, like a, like a Percy Jackson kind of figure, then they would call them this, this phrase. This is who has just become a follower of Jesus, and now he's following Philip everywhere. Very exciting. So news reaches Jerusalem that the people of Samaria are now becoming followers of Christ. So Peter and John, two heads of the church, they go down to Samaria. And they lay the hands on the people that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, what's this? This is something that happens a lot in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity of God, Father, Son, Spirit. It's that... that, you're not supposed to say part of God, I learned in seminary. It's that aspect of God which lives inside each person. It's the felt presence of God. And so uh, in the book of Acts, sometimes they would lay hands on people and pray, and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they would speak in some unknown language. 
Sometimes they would be healed of a condition in their mind or their body. Sometimes they would suddenly have great wisdom about the gospel. They would understand the grace of Jesus and could share it. Sometimes they would just say they felt the wisdom and the love of God. They could feel it inside them, leading and guiding their life. So this is what happened when Peter and John went to pray. They would feel God's empowering presence. All right, verse 18. When Simon, that sorcerer, saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people... He offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. Uh Uh-oh. Seems like Simon the sorcerer didn't really quite get it. Sometimes these celebrity conversions kind of turn out bad. Mel Gibson. So was Simon, was he, was, was he just looking for a magic trick the whole time? Was he following Philip around, uh, waiting to, you know, find out how to buy into the new franchise, the new sideshow? Or, or was Simon genuinely convinced he was following Jesus, but he, that he had such a root in his heart of magic and superstition that it just kind of started to grow back out of him at this point? He said he was sorry, please pray for me. And that's the last we hear from Simon in the Bible. However, lots of Christian writers wrote about him after the Bible, and their indications are that Simon wasn't really that sorry. All the writings about Simon after the Bible say he just caused a lot of problems for the church. One writing says that uh, he followed Peter to Rome while Peter was trying to share the gospel and caused all sorts of problems for him in Rome. A lot of Christian writings say that Simon the sorcerer was the father of Christian Gnosticism. That's like a cult that sprang up at that time. It was kind of Christian, but it also had a lot of magic and secrets that you had to pay them money to tell you, kind of a Christian Scientology thing back in the first century. So um, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the Bible, you can see the John trying to fight against this Christian Gnosticism cult as it's just beginning. And maybe Simon the sorcerer was the father of that movement. So whether Simon was pretending that he got it or whether he just was too wrapped up in magic and superstition, and the end result is all the same. To him, Jesus was another magic trick. So as I read this story, I, I, I think that a lot of you remind me of the Apostle Philip. You have shared the good news of Jesus throughout your life, wherever you've gone. You have seen people's lives changed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But also along the way, you have all encountered a few Simon the Sorcerers. I'm talking about that friend you used to invite to youth group. You invited them to fuel. You were so excited and But you're pretty sure now if you checked in on them, they're just about scoring drugs and finding sex on the weekend. I'm talking about that guy who used to sit in your Bible study and he seemed so absorbed to be learning, but you found out later, even while he was sitting there with you, he was cheating on his wife like a dozen times. And then he left her and married someone else. And then he left her and he married someone else. 
I'm talking about that whole small group full of people you had uh, sitting around in your living room learning about the Bible all the time, lying through their teeth about their secret life. I'm talking about that friend that you, you stood in the water with while they were getting baptized, and, and now they're an atheist. And all they do is dog you on Facebook. Why can't they just unfriend you like a normal person? talking about that one you met with every week for breakfast and their faith was growing so much but the second you stopped babysitting them they just wandered off like none of it really ever mattered these things wound a person i know they have wounded me and i know they have wounded you and i can tell because some of you would be great small group leaders but you're not doing it And some of your small groups would be great to have a new person into, but you're not letting in any new people. Some of you have skills that God has given you that can be used to further the church and do the ministry of the church, but you're not using your skills. And the reason that I hear you're not doing it is that you're tired of putting up with people. Tired of putting up with people. Too many Simon the Sorcerers. Simon has put a whammy on you, and you are tired, and you are angry, and you are burned out. Besides now, you've got a job and kids and grandkids that seem like more than enough to keep you busy, so you're just going to do that. Simon isn't even around Lakeland community anymore, is he? But he's still causing trouble for us. His evil spell still has a hold on us, doesn't it? I wasn't always a preacher, you know. I used to be a high school teacher. And one year I had this second hour class, and I hated it. Second hour of the day, they just suck all the life out of me. Like 8.30 to 9.30, here they come. And then the flu ran through the school one month. And a couple of kids were absent from second hour, and suddenly we had a great class. Their faces were shining. Everyone was learning. I figured out, I don't hate my second hour. It's just these two kids are messing it up. Now, I got to tell you, as a teacher, you want to reach all of them. You don't want to leave a single one behind. You, especially the tough ones, especially the tough ones, because you can see where they're headed, and you know if you can make a difference there, you have really made a difference. But as a teacher... I also have no right to let two kids ruin an entire school year for the other 30. I have no right to do that. So I started putting these two out in the hallway. Whenever their little song and dance would start, I'd say, hey, why don't you just sit out here until you get yourself figured out? We had a great year. Now, you know what happened after just a couple of weeks of being out in the hallway with no audience they kind of figured themselves out and they were able to come back in. Because there was no point to acting up because there was going to be no one to see it and enjoy it. So it kind of works itself out. The church is sometimes an awful lot like a high school classroom. We are a family of compassion. We want to reach every single one. We don't want to lose a single one, especially not the tough ones. But when one or two bad kids is threatening the whole thing, so that no one wants to be a part of it anymore. 
Sometimes you've got to put one or two out in the hallway. Look at this story again at what Peter actually says to Simon the sorcerer. Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he'll forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. That's pretty strong words for your celebrity conversion. The most famous person in the country. The Apostle Paul He was also an apostle in the book of Acts. He also had a church. He also had somebody acting up. He had a guy in a church who was doing some disgusting stuff. And it was disrupting the entire church. So when Paul was on a trip one time, he writes a letter back. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, You should remove this man from your fellowship. You must call a meeting of the church. Then you must throw this man out in the hall and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Paul says, sometimes you've got to put one or two out in the hallway. After 19 years of ministry here at Lakeland Community, we have had a few Simon the Sorcerers who didn't get it. They did things that took the breath right out of our lungs. They made us tired. They diminished our hope that Jesus Christ can really make a difference in the life of a person. The thing is, we got about we got at least 20 more years of ministry left in us, and we're going to have more Simon the Sorcerers. We're going to have more people that don't get it because Jesus said the way is straight and the gate is narrow, and not as many as you hope will pass through it. Jesus said, as God cast a seed of his good news in the world, some of it hits shallow soil. It grows up real fast. It burns up and dies real fast. Jesus said, some people will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did all kinds of spectacular things in your name. And Jesus said, truth is, I never knew you, and you never knew me. And when it's all gone too far, for the sake of the gospel, we'll have to put a few in the hallway. Now, what does that look like? It looks like if you can't quit lying to this small group, then you can't be in this small group anymore. If you can't quit dominating the conversation when we get together to pray and study the scriptures, you can't share anymore. It means if you come to Mercy Street to do the 12 steps and you're under the influence while you're sitting there, you don't get to share during sharing time. They read that rule every week in Mercy Street. You can talk to somebody after, but if you're under the influence right now while you're sitting here, you you don't share during the circle up. It means if you think you have the skills and the desire to lead the church in worship, but you can't show up prepared, you can't show up on time to rehearsal and, and honor what everyone else is doing, you don't really get what leading worship means, and you're out of the band. Because God does not allow two kids to disrupt the whole church so that no one wants to minister in it anymore. Now, I know we're going to need help discerning this. We're going to need help knowing when we go from tolerating sin until someone can have an encounter with God that changes them. Where does that end, and where does tough love begin? 
That's hard, and we're going to need it, but that's why we have each other. That's why we have each other. That's why we have Christian friends. That's why we have elders. We don't have to do this alone. Remember what Paul said. He said, you have to put this man out of your fellowship. Then he said, call a meeting of the church. It's time for you all to talk. Where are we at with this person? Has this gone on long enough? Because once Peter puts Simon the sorcerer out in the hallway, we can read chapter 8 and we can see what chapter 8's really all about. It's really about the other 30 kids in the room. We skip verse 13, but here's, or 14, but here's what it says. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Remember who these people are. They are Samaritans. 700 years before Jesus, there was, they were all part of one nation, Israel. But they had a civil war about 700 B.C., and it split the nation in half. They became the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, they were separated from the temple. So they had to come up with their own worship and their own temple and pretty soon their own beliefs. And pretty soon they're doing stuff really, really different up there. In fact, it got so strange up there that when Jesus met a woman from Samaria once, he was very kind to her, but he did say, you Samaritans don't know what you believe. They became hated half-breeds. Now these people are coming to God through Jesus. So why doesn't God send them the Holy Spirit when Philip baptizes them? Well, I want to tell you that there is no strict theological or biblical answer to that question. Because in the book of Acts, sometimes people receive the Holy Spirit before they're baptized and sometimes after. Sometimes people in the book of Acts receive the Holy Spirit because someone lays their hands on them to pray for them. And sometimes that doesn't happen. They just receive the Spirit. Sometimes in the book of Acts, an apostle, someone who walked with Jesus and saw him has to be there for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And sometimes not. They show up after and it's already happened. Sometimes the two things happen in the same moment. They accept Jesus. They're filled with the Spirit. Sometimes in the book of Acts, it's separated by years. All in one book of the Bible, there's no pattern. So why does God not give them the Holy Spirit, the Samaritans, in this story? Several scholars I studied, and I'm inclined to agree, say that the Lord did this so that the church from Jerusalem could come and lay hands on them and say, now you're part of our church. God held back some of his power to engineer this moment when these two tribes that have been at war for 700 years could cross a border, touch each other, and say, you are now our brothers and sisters. I wonder this morning, who in the room, God is holding back some of his power and you want it so bad and he's holding it back because he's engineering something for you. That's what the story is really about. God reaching his lost children. It ends this way. Verse 25, After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way and preached the good news. 
So yes, Simon the clueless sorcerer, that thing happened, but the story's really about the rest of them, the forgotten ones, the lost ones who come home, the other 30 kids in the room. And that's what our congregation is too. We are a family sharing the love of God with people who, honestly, not a lot of people care much about. Lakeland Community is for people who didn't grow up in church. Lakeland Community is for people who did, but they were hurt by the church. We're for people who have questions and doubts, but they're brave enough to come among people who do believe and, and, and seek out answers to those questions and resolution to those doubts. It takes courage, and we're here for them. Lakeland is, frankly, for people who are too educated to just believe something without a reasonable explanation. We're for people who don't necessarily look and act the way church people usually look and act. Samaritans. We're also for really standard issue church people who want to be a part of reaching those people. You may have grown up in the church, baptized as an infant or baptized when you're six or however it happened. You went to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night and you went to summer camp every summer. And now you want to be a part of reaching people who didn't. This is a community for you. This is where that's going to happen. We have a great work to be a part of, and we can't let Simon the sorcerer discourage us. His spell over you is broken today in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there have been hundreds of people whose lives have been changed by God, and here they sit, the other 30 kids in the class, You all changed my life. You all saved my marriage. I know we, we weren't going to get divorced because that's not really our style. Besides, we have a pact that whoever mentions divorce first has to take the kids. <laughs> so for 13 of the last 19 years, that has held it together. But, but, but you saved us from a mediocre Marriage, you saved us from saying, well, I guess that's how marriage is. I guess this is as good as it gets. You saved us from that. You made it into something else. What few social skills I have, you all taught me. You gave me a profession. You've taught me how to raise my kids. Pastor Dan's sermons have taught me how to handle money. You've given me a place of intense honesty to deal with hurts and habits and hang-ups. And there are 200, 300 other people who have been through here this morning who would say the same thing happened to them. Why? Because you were faithful. Because you shared yourself. Did Philip stop ministering over Simon the sorcerer? Definitely not. Did Peter stop ministering over Simon the sorcerer? No. And you can't stop either. The cities around this building are filled with people who need the love of God. Some of them are your own in-laws. Some of them are your neighbors. Some of them work with you. Some of them go to school with you. Were you in service last week for the announcements at the end? 
or someone stood up here and, and broke down to say that your faithfulness saved her from a life in the sex trade? Have you met Jessica's husband of eight years? They were married right here where I stand. Have you met her two beautiful children? I do a little Simon the Sorcerer with her daughter. I do this thing where I act like I pull my thumb off. Totally wigs her out. Someday I'll show her how I do it. But it's too much fun right now. <laughs> that was a miracle that happened in our midst. Our culture would tell you someone like that cannot change. But the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her and did the impossible. As a church, we are going where few dare to go. Reaching people, few dare to reach. And you need to be a part of it. We need you, and you already know you need to be a part of it. This is going to end up being the great work of your life. Someday when we do your funeral, probably standing right there, this will be what everyone will talk about when they talk about your life. So back in the saddle, folks. Dust yourself off. Rub some dirt in it. I know you got really skinned up on that bad fall, but back in the saddle. Come January, I don't know why it is culturally, but come January, this place will fill up with all new faces. That's the time of year people like to come and see. We're going to need small groups for them. We're going to need small group spaces for them. We're going to need small group leaders for them. Use the season of Advent. Pray through what you must pray through and then get back in the saddle. Serving teams are going to be looking for the skills you have. God gave you those skills for his glory and to spread the word and to glorify him. That's what those skills were given to you for, not to hide under a bowl or bury in your backyard. So pray through this season of Advent for the peace, hope, joy, and love that you need, and then back in the saddle. All those parents who are going to be sitting next to you at your kid's basketball game, your kid's soccer game, uh, I'm trying to do the, some winter sports here, uh, swim team, volleyball, okay, you got to do, they're going to be there. Some of those people are very, very lost. Pray now that the Lord will give you an opportunity to share the gospel. Pledge yourself, Lord, if you'll create an opportunity for this couple sitting right here, I will share Jesus with them. I have found when you announce to the Lord you are ready to be used, fairly quickly he creates the opportunity for you to be used. Back in the saddle. I'm with you. The whole church is with you. The power of God's Holy Spirit is with you. May you minister in his name. I like hymns. You like old hymns? Let's sing an old hymn. If you know this one, join in. If you don't, just enjoy this spontaneous outbreak of, of the Lakeland Choir. <laughs> I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. 
Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Let us pray the prayer Christ our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're going to get back in the saddle through a symbol here now of their, of their bodies. So if the service will come forward, communion is this symbol. Talk about someone who had been beat up and abused. Christ Jesus. And yet through the power of the Spirit, he found the strength to say, well, this is my body broken, but it's broken for you. And broken for you for forgiveness. And so he took a cup and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Between you and I, between you and I, Jesus says, it's covered. And so we come down, we get back in the saddle. We come down, we tear off a piece of bread and we dip it in the cup and we receive it into ourselves. We receive the power of the Spirit hope of the resurrection, the forgiveness of Christ, what we need to sustain us this week. And then after we do that, there's tables at the edge. If you want, you can kneel and pray. You can kneel and pray for someone struggling with faith that you're praying about at the beginning of service. That may be you. Pray for yourself. And then we go down the side aisles, and we come back, and we, we close together. So let us stand together and proclaim the mystery of faith. The big type is for all of us. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Each day, may Jesus Christ be as real to us as this food and this drink. And we all said, amen. Come forward when you're ready. Oh, stop. <laughs> if you're that person who's been out in the hall, you're that person who's been worn out by the person that maybe should have been out in the hall. You need vigor. You need energy to answer God's call. I'll be down here. And if you'd like, come, lay hands on you and pray that you'd receive the Holy Spirit. If I get swamped, I may need some uh, pastors, elders, and retired ministers to come up and help me. Just keep your eye on that. So you can also do that. You just come forward. I'll pray for you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit for God's call. And then off to the communion. Amen? Okay, come forward when you're ready. get this place ready. So tomorrow night is Hanging of the Greens. That's a night when we decorate the entire building for this season. So it's going to happen between 6 and 9. It's open house style, so you can come and go in there as you please. Um, 
uh, bring a treat to share. If that's your style, you like to do that sort of thing, that's great. If you just like to string lights and hang garland, we certainly have that. If you're more of a you know, sawzall and screw gun kind of person, clearly some things are happening that will use your skills. So we really have something for everyone. Uh, there's even a guide, you know, if you bring a toddler to tell you which rooms will be totally fun for a toddler, which ones would be boring, which ones would be dangerous. So uh, so it's really a thing for the, for the whole family, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Tomorrow night, getting ourselves ready for the season. Yeah. So the kids, they have activities and crafts. Yeah, and I think stuff there's a color sheet too. Yeah, snacks so, and mm-hmm. it's and just of a course, fun kind of yeah. open house atmosphere. Come Absolutely. for an hour, come for the whole thing, or whatever. But that'll be fun. We have a lot of work to do on uh, getting our platform design put together here, which ought to be always interesting to see how's that going to turn out. We don't know until we do it. So, and then also, uh, so I'm in charge of that. So you can come see me tomorrow night. And then I think you said you made up a list, right? Is that what you just said? Yes, it is. You made up a list, right? Yep. And then uh, we also have here the advent guides. Uh, Oh, by the way, before I mention that, the theme is windows of Christmas. And uh, I'll talk about it next week. But, you know, a window is a portal, right? I mean, so to speak. And I know you guys do this. You don't want to admit it because it makes you sound weird. But when you see somebody's window open at night and you're driving down the street, you look in, don't you? You want to see if something weird's going on. Nothing weird's never going on. But nonetheless, like, what are they doing? They eating dinner or something like that? See, They're... I told the police that. And they weren't nearly as understanding. <laughs> so, and our point is, windows for Christmas is, is like, you know, Christmas time is, a, is the window between heaven and earth, right? Jesus comes to earth. God comes to earth. And yeah, I said all that. Yeah, and and that's when they locked you up. So so anyway, Windows is the theme, and and there's an Advent guide to go with it. If you've never been around here, you'll want to go out there and look at the table, but they're actually for sale this morning, a little earlier than usual, and you'll need at least for the coming Advent season, starting next Sunday night at home or gathered with other people, at least the leader's guide and this banner. They go together. So, and the people out there, Liz and Kelly and those guys can help you if you need a whole Advent wreath. If you've never done it, it's really a cool thing to do. If you need replacement candles, all sorts of blingy stuff out there, okay? So, we're all set. We're good. We are ready to go. All right. Thank you so much. Let us stand together. Uh, We have some words from Paul. This is a great benediction to go with kind of the the message that we had and empowering uh, words from Ephesians chapter 3. So, let's say these together with gusto. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. Glory to him.